0: Welcome to Clinical Neurology Podcast, where you will learn over 12 episodes how to localize a lesion in neurology based on history taking and physical examination. The podcast is meant for medical students and to make them enjoy learning neurology. Medicine, paediatrics, psychiatry, critical care, neurology residents, general practitioners and nurse practitioners will find it beneficial. Study materials and clinical resources for the podcast are available in show description and at neurologyteachingclub.com website. I am your host Dr. Krishnadas N.C. and let's get started. Ataxia is a common symptom with which a patient presents to a neurologist. An ataxia case is often kept for final year medical school clinical examination. Ataxia is defined as a lack of voluntary coordination of muscle activity. A cerebellar pathology usually causes ataxia, but it can be caused by defects in proprioception and vestibular function. The cerebellum regulates muscle tone, posture and equilibrium. One of the major cerebellar functions is the automatic excitation of the antagonist muscles at the end of a movement, with the simultaneous inhibition of agonist muscle that initiated the movement. The cerebellum acts as the orchestra's conductor and finely coordinate the gross movements done by the pyramidal system. Cerebellar ataxia results from defective timing of the sequential contraction of the agonist and antagonist. The movements err in speed, range, force and timing. A patient with sensory ataxia will have sensory symptoms like paresthesia and ataxia will be more on closing eyes, usually described as a wash basin sign. Patients with vestibular ataxia often have vertigo. Both vestibular and sensory ataxia won't have other features of cerebellar ataxia like dysarthria, tremor, etc. We will focus on cerebellar ataxia in this session. We will learn the approach to a patient with cerebellar ataxia. At the end of the episode, we will understand the cerebellar anatomy and connections of the cerebellum, the symptoms produced by lesions of the cerebellum, Localize from symptomatology of the patient which part of the cerebellum is involved. The cerebellum is located in the posterior fossa. It lies dorsal to the pons and medulla oblongata. It is separated from occipital lobe by the tentorium cerebelli. It has a midline portion, the vermis, and two lateral portions, the cerebellar hemispheres. It has two fissures which divide it into three lobes. The primary fissure divides it into anterior and posterior lobes. The postrolateral fissure separates the posterior lobe from the floccular nodular lobes. From an embryogenetic and functional standpoint, the cerebellum can be divided into the archicerebellum, paleocerebellum, the neocerebellum. The archicerebellum, the archicerebellum corresponds to floccular nodular lobe. It is otherwise called the vestibular cerebellum because it has several connections with the vestibular nucleus. It also receives input from areas concerned with eye movements. As a result of these connections, the archicerebellum controls body equilibrium and eye movements. The Paleocerebellum The paleocerebellum consists of mainly the vermis of the anterior lobe. It is also known as the spinocerebellum because it receives inputs primarily from the spinal cord. It plays a role in controlling muscle tone and axial and limb movements. The Neocerebellum The Neocerebellum consists of most of the cerebellar hemispheres. Since it receives projections from the pons through the corticopondocerebellar pathway, it is also termed as pondocerebellum. The neocerebellum projects fibers to the cerebral cortex through the thalamus and plays a role in planning, initiating and regulating fine limb movements. The cerebellum has 85 billion neurons. The cerebellum consists of a superficial cortex surrounding the deep white matter. Three pairs of nuclei lie in the deep white matter. The cortex of the cerebellum is folded into the cerebellar folia. Cerebellar nuclei The cerebellar nuclei are the main source of cerebellar efference. All the efference projections of the deep cerebellar nuclei are excitatory except for projections to the inferior olive which are inhibitory. These nuclei from medial to lateral includes fastigial nucleus, the nucleus interpositus, composed of globus and emboliform nuclei, and the dentate nucleus. The arrangement can be remembered by the code FAST GIRL'S EAT DATES. The fastigial nucleus assists stance and gait. Therefore, its lesion causes abasia. You can remember it by the code "fast gate. The nucleus interpositus assists segmental reflexes. It speeds the initiation of movements triggered by somatosensory cues. It guides the response to stop unwanted and promotes wanted oscillations. Therefore, nucleus interpositus lesions may result in delayed check or rebound responses, truncal titubation, abnormal rapid alternating movements, action tremor, and ataxia on finger nose finger and heel niche in manoeuvres. The dentate nucleus assists in tasks requiring fine dexterity. You can remember it like D4D, dentate for dexterity. Lesions of this nucleus or its projections causes delays in initiating and terminating movements, terminal and intention tremors. Temporal incoordination in activities that require multiple joints and abnormalities in the spatial coordination of hand and finger movements. The cerebellar peduncles The cerebellum is connected to the brainstem through the superior, middle and inferior cerebellar peduncle. The superior mainly contains outgoing tracts while the middle and inferior mostly have incoming tracts. The superior cerebellar contains mainly efferents to the red nucleus and thalamus namely dendatorobral and dentato-thalamic tracts. The middle cerebellar peduncle contains mainly efferents from contralateral pontine nuclei, namely pondocerebellar and cortico pondocerebellar tract. The inferior cerebellar peduncle contains mainly efferents from spinal cord and brainstem. This includes spinocerebellar, olivocerebellar, and vestibulocerebellar tracts. The peduncles have a few other efferent and efferent tracts. Clinical features of cerebellar disease. Clinical features of the cerebellar disease include ataxia, dysarthria, tremor, hypotonia, eye movement abnormalities and non-mortal manifestations. Ataxia Ataxia is caused by the defective timing of sequential contraction of agonist and antagonist. The movement err in speed, range, force and timing. The components of ataxia include asynergia, which is a lack of synergy of various muscle components, dysmetria which is abnormal, range, force, and excursion in movement. Dysdiadochokinesia, which is impaired, rapidly alternating movements. Rebound phenomenon where an opposed motion is suddenly released and impaired checking response or excess rebound occurs. Gate ataxia A patient with cerebellar gait ataxia has a wide-based gait. They can fall in any direction. Trungal ataxia and titubation suggest midline cerebellar lesion. Cerebellar dysarthria. There is an abnormality in articulation and prosody in patients with cerebellar disease. There is labored speech production with occasional facial grimacing. They will have a scanning speech. It is more common with hemisphere involvement. A grammatism is noticed with the right cerebellar lesion and a prosody with left. The cerebral connections of the cerebellum are predominantly contralateral accounts for this. Tremors. Tremors occurs with lesions affecting the dentate nucleus. Kinetic or intention tremors occurs during activity. A static postural tremor may also occur due to interruption of the rubro olivo circuit. Cerebellar fits are episodes of deserberate rigidity usually seen in large midline cerebellar mass lesions. Hypotonia. Hypotonia occurs in hemispheric lesions acutely. It is ipsilateral and more in proximal upper limb though the pendular jerk is demonstrated in the knee. It is due to decreased fusiform activity due to injury to the dentate nucleus, resulting in reduced response to stretch in muscle spindle afferents. Oculomotor dysfunction A wide range of eye movement abnormalities can occur with cerebellar lesion. We will see what they are but won't go to the details. In midline cerebellar lesion, gaze-evoked nystagmus, upbeat nystagmus, rebound nystagmus and abnormal optokinetic nystagmus can occur. Lesions of the uvula and nodulus produces periodic alternating nystagmus. Lesions of the vestibular cerebellum and posterior midline causes downbeating nystagmus. Other ocular signs include broken pursuit, ocular flutter, obsoclonus, ocular bobbing, pyresis of conjugate gaze, skew deviation, square wave jerks at rest, ocular tilt reaction, failure to suppress vestibuloocular ocular reflux. Non-mortal functions of the cerebellum. There is growing evidence that the cerebellum plays a role in cognition. Acute pan-cerebellar involvement are commonly associated with cognitive dysfunction which includes impaired executive dysfunction, personality change, disinhibition, language dysfunction including agrammatism, prosody, visuospatial memory impairment, pathological laughter due to pondocerebular fiber involvement and macrographia. The disruption of cerebellar modulation of neural circuits including prefrontal, posterior parietal, superior temporal, limbic cortices is implicated in cognitive dysfunction. Cerebellar dysfunction plays a role in the pathophysiology of schizophrenia, bipolar disorders, addiction, autism and dyslexia. Clinical syndromes of the cerebellum Cerebellar pathology produces four clinical syndromes based on the areas of cerebellar involvement. 1. The rostral vermis syndrome with lesions of anterior lobe. 2. The caudal vermis syndrome with lesions of the floccular nodular and posterior lobes. 3. Hemispheric syndrome with lesions of the posterior lobe and variably the anterior lobe. 4. The cerebellar syndromes. Rostral-Vermis syndrome. The anterior and superior vermis is predominantly involved in Rostral-Vermis syndrome. Gait ataxia is the most prominent symptom. The patient will have a wide based stance. Limb incoordination, dysarthria, hypotonia and nystagmus are not apparent. The classic example is alcohol-induced cerebellar dysfunction. Caudal-Vermis syndrome. There is damage to the floccular nodular lobe. The patient will have axial disequilibrium and a staggering gait. Spontaneous dystagmus and rotated head posture are common. There is no limb ataxia. The caudal vermis syndrome is classically seen in medulloblastoma in children. Cerebellar hemispheric syndrome There is damage to the cerebellar hemisphere on one side. The ipsilateral appendicular movements are affected. The patient will have abnormal finger-nose-finger, heel-knee-shin and distado on the same side. Dysarthria is often present. Infarcts, neoplasm, abscess, etc. causes the hemispheric cerebellar syndrome. Pan-cerebellar syndrome The whole cerebellum is involved and the combination of all previous symptoms are seen. The patient will have bilateral cerebellar signs. The etiologies include drugs and toxin, infectious and post-infectious like following chickenpox. Metabolic causes like hypothyroidism and paraneoplastic like anti Hu in small cell carcinoma lung, anti-Yo in breast carcinoma, and DTR and lymphoma also produce a pan-cerebellar syndrome. Before we wind up, let us learn one more syndrome we commonly come across in the clinics, a taxichemiparesis. It is not a cerebellar syndrome but due to a lesion in the cerebellar connections, namely the fronto-ponto-cerebellar fibers. The patient will have mild pyramidal weakness along with ataxia. It is one of the lacunar syndromes due to small infarct in the pathway of frondopondocerebellar fibers. The usual site is the basis pontis at the upper one-third and lower two-third junction. The weakness and ataxia are more prominent in the opposite lower limb. Dysarthria and nystagmus may be present. There is hyperreflexia and Babinski's is usually positive. This syndrome is also described with lesions in opposite side thalamocapsular region, posterior limb of internal capsule, red nucleus and paracentral area. These patients are often mistaken as having hemiparesis alone the disproportionate functional deficit in the presence of mild weakness is the clue and examination will show the cerebellar signs that finishes this session today we discussed the various causes of ataxia we discussed cerebellar ataxia in detail along with cerebellar anatomy and its connections we discussed the clinical features of cerebellar disease and the various clinical syndromes in the next session we will discuss the brainstem It's been more than six months since we started our podcast. Thank you all for the tremendous response from all over the world. The podcast has been downloaded more than 8,000 times from over 80 countries. Please continue your valuable support and share with your friends and colleagues if you find the podcast useful. Kindly write a review and give a rating in the Apple podcast. Spotify has started ratings for podcasts. The ratings will help to increase the visibility of the podcast in the app please provide your feedback and suggestions on the website or Twitter. It will be a big help and will be much appreciated. Thanks for listening to Clinical Neurology Podcast. Kindly subscribe and review if you found it useful. You can follow Neurology Teaching Club Instagram account for exclusive figures of this podcast and visit our website neurologyteachingclub.com for more resources. The podcast and online content are meant for medical education only and should not be used to guide clinical decision-making and treatment. You can find more of this podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast or wherever you get your ear candy. It's KD signing off and until we meet next time, spread knowledge.